If you're ready to unlock your potential to transform the world around you, then join us here on the Love & Leadership Podcast as we dive into the art of leadership, exploring cutting-edge strategies and timeless wisdom, empowering you to become the exceptional leader you were born to be. You'll learn from inspiring interviews with visionaries, changemakers, and thought leaders who give us practical and actionable real-life leadership strategies, and we'll celebrate authenticity and empathy because leadership is about connecting with others on a profound level. So if you're ready to transform your leadership journey, don't miss a single episode of the Love and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe today for access to a wealth of wisdom, inspiration, and actionable strategies. Let's redefine leadership and create a world where every leader leads with love, passion, and purpose. Welcome to the Love and Leadership Podcast, where we bring you interviews with extraordinary leaders who are changing the world. I'm Dr. Beth Merkel, your Love and Leadership Podcast host. And our special guest today is Dr. Margaret Wheatley, a renowned speaker, educator, consultant, advisor, and co-founder of the Burkana Institute. She believes that to effectively navigate and positively contribute to this messy world we live in, leaders must recognize and help untether people's innate generosity, creativity, and understand their need for community. Dr. Wheatley is a global leadership influencer who's taught at Cambridge College and Brigham Young University. Her impact reaches across geographic borders from England to Zimbabwe, and uh, transcends social borders from coaching the U.S. Army's highest-ranked officers to mentoring 12-year-old Girl Scouts. Her recent book, Who Do You Choose to Be? Facing Reality, Claiming Leadership, and Restoring Sanity, challenges us as leaders to be warriors for the human spirit. And we're about to find out what that really means. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Love and Leadership Podcast, Dr. Meg Wheatley. It's a joy to have you with us today. So, Meg, you've been shaping global leadership since the early 90s with the first book that I came across that you wrote, which was Leadership and the New Science. And your work through the Burkana Institute has shaped my early career and continues to do so. And you were actually one of the first people I heard openly advocate for leaders to prioritize the human over corporate goals. And that was just mind-blowing at the time. It's it's shocking that it had to be done, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And I just finished your, uh, I, I believe this is your latest book. Um, Who do we choose to be? And in this book, you can see that, I mean, it's all tabulated and it's all marked up on the inside. This is an important book that I will refer back to again and again. Um, But in this book, you challenge us to, to face reality, to claim the role of leadership, and to restore sanity. Um, And you sum it up by challenging us to become warriors for the human spirit. And, and yes. I want to be a warrior for the human spirit. I think we all do. So will you give us some context before we get into our conversation by telling us what do you mean by warrior for the human spirit? 
Thank you. A lot of people, their instantaneous reaction is, oh, I don't like this word warrior. It's too violent. It's too aggressive. It's warlike. That's true in most cases of warriorship. But then there's also in many traditions, the spiritual warrior, the peaceful warrior. And um, there was no other word to describe the role. The role is historically when something that is of great value is about to be lost, is being threatened. So it could be the king's power, it could be the land, it could be the religion. It needs defending and a special, and this is what's important, a special group of people wake up to the fact that without protection, this will be lost. And in order to be a good protector, in this case of the human spirit, we need to train. We can't just be casual about it because the forces that are out there that are making us stressed and fearful and withdrawn and leading to increased aggression and conflict, we don't know how to be the best we can be unless we engage in really in focusing on training ourselves to be present, to not give in to fear, to not act aggressively. And that takes work. That takes training. And so the warriors arise when the people need protection. And in this day and age, the human spirit is what needs protecting our own and those we love and the causes we care about. Everything that gives growth and possibility is is disappearing now under these very brutal dark energies that I name as insanity because they're so destructive of life mm. and spirit. I, and we f- we feel that every day, and uh, at least I sure do. And yeah, and we can generalize freely here, Beth. Yeah, we are all feeling. St- let's just check with your listeners. What's <laughs> your level of stress, fear? exhaustion, overwhelm. How often do you just want to say, I'm done with this, it's mm. too much? Uh, and how how often do you just feel great sadness or grief for what's being lost? So this is a general feeling. But if we still want to make a difference, if we still want to serve other people and do good with our with our work, with our opportunities then this is when we have to move into a very different understanding of what's needed from us. And warriorship is my answer to what's needed from us now. Mm. Warriors to protect this this human spirit. And um, it seems that uh, you you call us to, um, to restore our sanity. And, you know... I'm right now I'm equating sanity to this sense of human spirit when when our spirits aren't recognized and nurtured and grown and um, allowed to express themselves. We can feel like we are insane. Right. I think that's probably a big part of our issue. So in in your book, you say that as leaders, we must aspire to restore that sanity. We're talking about being those warriors. When did we lose it? Meg, when did we lose our sanity in the first place? I want to start 
back with what you just described as sanity, because it's very similar, but I give a little more detail. Oh, cool. The same leadership is the unshakable confidence in people and in people's capacity to be generous, creative, and kind. But it's the leader's role. First of all, you have to believe, you have to know that that's who people are, okay? that we can be creative, kind, compassionate, loving, that these are um, in us, in mm. every single human being, until you're in circumstances that repress your generosity or deny your creativity or put you in such a state of fear that you don't even remember about kindness. You're just in this self-protection. So it's the leader's role. And that's why I love, I love the title of your podcast, love and leadership, because I'm seeing it two ways. You have to love being a leader. Yes. Okay. And that's harder and harder because people are more and more stressed and angry and hard to lead. Mm -hmm. Um, then you um, love, know the power of love. So I'm expanding that to specific capacities, generosity, creativity, and kindness, because those are what make for a good workplace or a healthy community. Mm-hmm. And it is the leader's role, based on that unshakable confidence, to create the conditions. So that's where we get into true leadership. And it become more and more impossible to bring people together like we used to do. I mean, I've been in leadership field for, this is a shocking number to me, but for about 55 years. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and now it's incredibly hard to bring people together because we're too busy we're fearful of the strength anybody at this point who looks or feels different. Um, and, and we don't want to be together even because these are such toxic environments. Um, so for me, more than ever, we have to choose to be a warrior for the human spirit because historically, I just want to quote one historian whose work I, based my work on, he said um, that there's always a small group, and that's important. It's never a mass number of us, a small group of people who realize that it's only through self-sacrifice that community can be preserved. And we raise the banner, this is his words, the banner of duty and service against the depravity and despair of our time. Now, nobody likes the word (laughs) self-sacrifice. It's not how we're wired anymore. (laughs) Well, we've been so coddled, cuddled, privileged, and it's just time to notice what does the world need from me? What does my family need from me? What does my community need from me? Mm. Which is not what I want, but what is needed here. That's an act of self-sacrifice, right? 
Yeah. Being it's setting aside that ego, ask. right? That, that, yeah. that self, um, that selfish self. And or that self that, you know, I helped cultivate this in my early years of training people. What is your purpose? Find your passion and then go for it. Right. And mm-hmm. if you're, if it doesn't inspire you, find something else. Now we're old enough to get a, be past that, but this is still a dominant trend absolutely uh, in younger people. But this is why if we really want to contribute and we do see with clear eyes what's going on, then we choose this role for ourselves, or we don't. Mm. But it's a conscious choice of how do I want to serve people? How do I want to serve the causes I care about? How do I want to contribute even though everything's going to hell pretty quickly these days? I think we can all notice that. Seems like that. (laughs) No argument here now. So can we be the ones who do what we can, where we are with what we have? That's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that I love. (laughs) Do what you can where you are with what you have. Yeah. And that's true loving leadership. That's loving it people. Is. I and think early on we got away with um, with defining leadership more as man, you know, through management, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so that that it was and it focused on you were a great leader if your organization met its financial goals or you know, whatever, um, right. sold more widgets or whatever. Now. And I tell this to my students. I, um, as I told you earlier, I direct a master of science in organizational leadership program on online. But um, I tell this to my students that we, the phrase, um, oh, it's it's just business. It's nothing personal. What does that even mean? I mean, that is that's a ridiculous phrase, because what is business if not made up of people? Who do you think are doing the work? And well, that's, yeah. that's the right question, though. Who do leaders think is doing the work? And do they think of them as fully human beings yeah. or simple, simple cogs in the machine? Or I, I knew one woman who left. She was very successful in a sales position. But when her clients started being called units, Oh, geez. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> and that's, that's the common parlance in sales. My son uses it. I don't know if he, he doesn't use it around me anymore, <laughs> but it's still, well, that's, that's a unit, but it's a two people. It's a couple. No, that's a single person. That's still a unit. I mean, just. Yeah. And, yeah. and how that just usurps, just sucks the soul dry and then we expect these units <laughs> to perform when we're we're sucking the lifeblood out of them from the underneath and um that's just a recipe for so disaster. i want to I play with this with you Beth, because oh. you have experience with it also mm-hmm. um when you asked me you know how did it go so insane yeah Okay, we have a definition of what sane behavior is, and it's based on our values, right? Our values about people, about respect, about love, about whatever it is. But it's these are wonderful values that lead to a good, healthy human life, right? 
That's our definition of sanity. So what has now arisen over many decades is a whole different set of values, not based on the human spirit or a good human life, but based on profit, efficiency, and and competition, greed, actually. Mm-hmm. It's gone crazy. Greed. Yeah. When you're organizing around those values of getting ahead, making the most you can, and using people as machines for your own benefit as a leader or corporation, we see that as insane. Yeah. But that's the dominant, those are the dominant values that have created this disaster that we're in now. Yeah. Uh, Business philosopher Tom Morris would call those um, false values, right? We we think they are the end-all, be-all, and once we accomplish those, they will make us happy. But it is, and I think therein lies the insanity that you're talking about. But they're not false any longer. They are what makes the world go round. Mm. They are the decision rules for corporations. They're the decision rules, as he was speaking about it. We think that's what's going to make us happy as an individual. Yes, I really love that, calling them false because they come up empty at the end of our lives. But these values of greed and competition and grab everything you can are the values that, that lead to the behaviors that we are now in. And those behaviors have created massive destruction of the planet and massive destruction of human potential. Mm. That's so true. When we stopped um, thinking of the, uh, the collective, the greater good, we're part of this thing we yeah. call humanity and humanity is part of this thing we call nature and we stopped seeing it as this whole system and started seeing it as you know what can beth get out of this you know that i just exactly. went insane and, when i know, did that <laughs> to understand us in a neurobiological way when we feel threatened which most people do now and some of it is a deliberate political strategy to make us fearful of one another. But when we feel fear, we have no choice but to retreat, you know, fight or flight or freeze. That's all pushing us back to a very primitive brain. And to get out of that fear, which leads to closing down self-protection, this is all just biology. Right. Have to exert consciousness. We have to become awake. And I I just want to say for all of us who are stressed, the first thing to do is calm yourself down. When you're feeling overwhelmed and you are in this fear reaction over which it's autonomic, we have no control over it until we notice it. And then we go do something or go somewhere where you can just settle down, where you can just calm your mind. So Mm. going outside in nature, looking at a beautiful plant, looking at a beautiful photo of someone you love, or going for a walk, playing with your dog or child. These are necessities in order to turn back on our full human brains where compassion and love 
reside. They don't reside back in the reptilian brain. They can't, right? We're just getting these stress chemicals that are shutting all of that down. So that brings me um, to a a point that I really, I just lost an earbud, um, that I really want to touch on with you because I think it's important for us to give leaders who are seeking direction, they really want to be warriors for the human spirit, but how, how, you know, so in your book, you um, say that a leader's work is to create the conditions. And you just talked about that for those attributes to manifest through meaningful work. How do I, um, you know, working in this high rise with a a thousand people or working in my mom and pop shop with three other people, how do I create those conditions? What conditions are you talking about? And how do I make that happen? Hold on. (laughs) I have just written a new book. Oh, yes. Filled with practices to awaken generosity, creativity, and kindness. This book will come out March next year. I'm also right now starting a course on this. So I'm going to put in a little plug for that. Oh, please do. It's October 5th online. And um, we'll give you information that you can post here. But the, the question really starts not with how, but can I? Am I willing This is hard work. You've already identified loving leadership as hard work. Why is it hard? It's countercultural. It's Mm. counter the dynamics that are out there. And the things in a workplace, in a corporate corporate or large organization setting, people are, yeah, that's my dog snow. (laughs) I I saw you smile, so I realized (laughs) you came in the frame. People are being asked in large systems to do more and more to produce results in shorter time frames, even though the conditions make it impossible. And so the first thing is, am I willing to notice that these negative conditions are inherently destructive? They will not be changed by me acting alone. They will not be changed by some new policy. So I'm advocating now that we need to think of creating islands of sanity. That's the warrior for the human spirit work. And an island of sanity is where we consciously commit to being together in order to withstand the outer pressures like speed, uh, all, all, all the demands of policies uh, that come down, and we can't ignore them, but we can create a sort of buffer. And that within uh, this buffered state, the sanctuary that has makes more possible, what we can do then is, is start to use practices that many of us, uh, certainly as older ones, know. How do you empower people? How do you create participation structures? How do you engage people in work that's meaningful to them? It doesn't happen as long as we're swimming in uh, near drowning conditions in this very toxic 
environment. So I'm really talking about creating places now of refuge and possibility. Um, and that is, I think, the greatest challenge I have ever felt for leaders. Oh my and it's gosh. what I'm just yeah. going full out for. Because if you just try and do it alone, be a good person, be a compassionate, loving leader, it you get eaten alive out yeah. there. Right? Trampled was the word that came to my mind. Eaten alive, trampled. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, and we're using violent language because that's how it feels. It's an mm. assault. Yeah. And then people leave, right? Why mm-hmm. put up with this nonsense or this hellish situation? Mm-hmm. So if we want to stay and contribute, we must form community. And I think it is the leader's role to bring people together in as buffered and protected a space as possible so we can still do work that is meaningful to us. It's not do one thing. I mean, that's why I've written a book of practices uh, for the first time in my life, actually. Thank um, you for that. Very specific. Do this, do this, do this, because yes. I know these lead to strong <laughs> community and meaningful work. But, yeah. but the challenge is where I didn't start with how. I started with can I, am I willing to take on this quite noble and heroic role of using my power and influence for good. That and, is the more critical yeah. question, isn't it? You yes. Know? And, oh gosh, my brain is going 100 miles an hour here, so I'm going to try and <laughs> focus a little bit. <laughs> but there are um, certain things, certain um, skills that are coming to mind here. First of all, do I want to? That is, can I? Will I? That's a critical right. question. Um but then if I say, yes, I want to, then what do I have to do? I have to be aware, right? I have to be so aware of self, of others, um, the people on my team, of the um, environment in my corporation, the, the environment in general. So much awareness Then I have to be, um, you know, uh, able to discern those opportunities that I can, the battles I can win as a warrior, right? That and the ones that I can't, uh, and t- take those small, um, t- take those small steps if we have to, which most of us will have to take. You know these these baby steps, these incremental steps, doing things like um, again setting ego aside and allowing failure and how to right. learn from it. These. These are not small things, Meg. They're not small things, but let's stop thinking about them as up to me as an individual out there, you know, like Don Quixote, just battling at windmills. Mm. It's essential that we form as community so we're not doing this alone because we can't do it alone. That's why I have this sense we come together as a community to form this protective barrier, this oasis, this place that will strengthen us, that we can come back to. And I love calling it an island of sanity. But what you just outlined are some of the skills we have to learn. Like, How do we be aware? What happens when I get triggered in a meeting? Well, 
there's practices for learning about how to control those triggers. There's practices for learning how to just stay present and open when someone is going crazy around you. There's practices many of us have been trained in listening, real listening. But it's it's war out there, yes. And so we need to develop the skills. We don't have them yet. We don't have them yet. As much as we want to be loving and open and compassionate, when's the last time you got angry at somebody and lost it? You know, mm. I had that two days ago. Well, no, maybe this morning, even in my mind. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, for including self. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> frequent. The thing is, there are ways to develop a stable mind, clear perception, and um, then to use those in our work with our children, in our communities. But it takes training. So mm. you start with a desire. You have no idea what it means to get engaged at this level until you start. And then you also find, wow, people really like being around me now because I'm more present. I'm calm in the midst of their craziness. Mm. I'm open. I'm a good listener. And people are magnet to us they really do show up for us i mean you two and bono have this great lyric in one of their songs which is darkness gathers around the light Mm. see we don't shine light in the darkness we create ourselves as wonderful people to be around because we're not so easily triggered we don't um we're trustworthy we're present, you have to learn these skills because they're more and more necessary because the environment is more and more toxic. Mm, Absolutely. So this is not anything we do alone. We do it with one another and we have a commitment to each other also that I'm going to stay here and I'm going to stay with you and you're going to stay with me, Um, which really gives us trustworthy companions and therefore we have much more capacity to stay and then sometimes you just realize no i can't stay any longer this is this is uh eating me alive and one of the books i published in 2011 was called walk out walk on and it's a it's a whole process where we learn this from uh, students in india who were in a high school, really knew their creativity was being destroyed, were starting to be told they were bad or non-creative, or, and they just said, we're walking out. And uh, the teachers came to them and said, oh, you're dropping out. And they said, no, we walked out because you're failing us. Oh. And then, because they still knew they were creative, that they had potential. And then they walked on to a new place Mm. where they could offer or make a better contribution. So the whole theme for all of us, as much as I'm talking about creating conditions so we can stay and do good work, we have to notice whether being part of the system, being even if we're part of a, a good community that supports us, if it is destroying our sense of our own 
goodness, our own competence, our own creativity. And if that's the case, walk out. Mm. Walk out. Now, this applies to relationships as well as to workplaces. So, well, and but, workplaces are all about <laughs> relationships so much. Exactly. Exactly. So, walk out with the expectation that you're going to walk on, you're mm. going to find a place where you can be your best self, where you will be appreciated where you will feel creative and that you're making a contribution again. So I'm not suggesting we stay in these very toxic relationships or environments. We're needed. So let's find the place where we can contribute our skills and our love. I I think that's so important. There's a, a a term, um, from one of the textbooks I use um, and in leadership in general, and it's called modeling the way. And that's just going through my head right now. And it's interesting that I agree. We can't do this by ourselves. We have to uh, join or create that community of warriors or that community of people who say we need to do this better. In, in even if we're in a toxic environment, how can we create that island of sanity here? So, so yes, we don't have to do it by ourselves. We don't carry the entire onus of this change, but it takes that one person to catalyze that change, to model the That's way, to say, "I'm great, going isn't that to a great be definition calm. of leadership, right yeah. there." Yeah, but you're not as as good as you're going to be. So in terms of modeling as a leader, you also need to create the conditions so that not only people can do more meaningful, better work, but so that you realize, yes, I still have confidence that these approaches to leadership work. Mm, Confidence in human spirit. We're all learning here, right? We truly are works in process. (laughs) Forever. That's the meaning of life to me. It's that's a great definition of what mm. is life for. To learn, to learn. Boy, isn't but, that true? Um, yeah. What I so I want to go back to the reason I created warrior training was because the leaders that I knew who had been wonderful models, who had been doing things right, who knew the processes of involvement and empowerment and inclusion, all of those things, they could no longer do those processes because of of those above them or the pace of change or the amount of conflict in a community. They could no longer do what they knew worked Mm -hmm. because the environment had changed. So, So I said, okay, you need new skills And it's just the skills you started to mention and I built on skills of awareness, skills of presence, skills of of really not being a discernment and then not being destroyed by these continued bombardment assaults on us as leaders. It's interesting. I um, one of the um, I start my program with talking about. five characteristics of a thinking leader. And this is, it's exactly what we're talking about here. Um, So I'll I'll start with, um, hope I get this right. (laughs) Um, 
mindfulness, or excuse me, awareness first, you know, and then mindfulness about the what we became aware of, presence to sit with it and really understand, um, and sit with people and really understand them, and then reflection and evaluation. And I think once, when we can get into that, uh, into a habit of using all of those tools, we're really setting right. ourselves up to um, to understand what's going on around us, to effectively use the information we have, to be able to relate to the people we're leading and to support them exactly. in the best way, create that island of sanity. But as you said, it ain't easy. <laughs> right? It sounds, well, they're just five things. <laughs> like, okay. You know, you're going to develop awareness and mindfulness, and I'm so grateful those are the first two elements. If you're going to develop that, you need a practice, right? Mm-hmm. You just can't decide, oh, I'm going to be open and aware and notice everything. No, you need practices yeah. to yeah. learn how to see more clearly, how to sit, how to watch your mind and see how you act. And then that one about being with people, being present with people, let's just own up, be honest to the fact that if I sit down in front of a certain kind of person and they say, say one thing i'm triggered (laughs) i can't be with them you know this is our highly politicized conflict-laden polarized happens in families it happens in groups you know i mean i think most of us now can be honest and acknowledge that when we we don't go to certain people we don't go to certain places because we know we're going to be triggered so how do we learn to lessen our triggers to Mm. clear those filters those judgments but also be discerning maybe i just shouldn't be with this person you know this person isn't going to respond in any way that will be helpful so um those are the right categories but for me each of them requires training Oh, you absolutely. (laughs) We spend the next year to two years learning how to do those things. Warrior training. Yeah, exactly. As you bundle them together and I bundle them together, this is what leaders need to know. Mm -hmm. But um, they just don't, well, they don't need to know. We've been telling them for years and years what they need to be. This, they need training. And it's not the traditional leadership development training. Right. I mean, this is it's about knowing where we yourself are. <laughs> so you can be available to others. I yeah. often play with the term self-help, that we're not working with ourselves to help ourselves. We're working with ourselves so we can help others. Mm, I love that. And not get in the way, you know, with our own judgments, filters, biases, yeah. et cetera. So I think this is a, a- Good segue into a topic, and I've gone completely off script, if you haven't noticed. I sent a script to Meg earlier, and uh, I think a couple of words of that have actually been mentioned. (laughs) This is free flow at its best. But one of the things, when I was really researching for this podcast, you talk about hopelessness in leadership and that it's a necessary um, frame of mind. And somehow I'm thinking this is this might be what you're touching right? on very, now. 
I'm glad you're giving me a chance to explain <laughs> because um, let me let me give you an example. So uh, people feel this culture is addicted to hope as the source of motivation. That if I don't have hope for success, if I don't have hope for certain outcomes, what's the point of doing my work? And I hear so many people saying that these days. What's the point? You know, we're not going to change things. So, and they fear that if they give up hope, which is, I'm speaking about in terms of expectations of, Mm -hmm. I invest my energy, I'll get this certain outcome. Um, And they feel that without hope, I won't have any motivation. Well, and people, you know, will listen to me and say, well, you sound very pessimistic, very dark. (laughs) And and I'm an optimist. You know, that's a badge of honor. I'm an optimist. Let's be optimistic. Here's how I want us to understand this. Take here. I fortunately have a glass that is half full or half empty, right? One or the other. How you answer this indicates whether you're a person I want to be around, an optimist, or a pessimist, and I just want to get out of, (laughs) away from you. The (laughs) The warrior perspective on this is, oh, look. There's water. Who needs it? And how am I going to get it to them? Mind blown. Yes. (laughs) I think I was fated to have this half glass here. I think so. There are no accidents. Oh, my goodness. Mind blown on that. Yes. So we look at what's possible and how can I contribute? Right. How can I contribute? How how can I take what I know is here and available, what I'm willing to do, what, the resources we have, and make them happen without a particular outcome? Because I'm thinking of those Indian students, and I'm thinking of the team yes. leader who, um, you know, has certain outcomes in place. But you're saying let go of those outcomes because what we're really doing when we focus on specific outcomes that I create with my lens and my experience and then set these goals and we work and we get there. Or your boss creates. Or your boss boss creates, they're imposed. Yeah. But um, invariably, humans are part of that process and the outcome doesn't happen the way we planned, the way we thought it would, the way it was supposed to and we set ourselves up for um, feelings of failure, for um, disappointment, um, instead of looking at it and saying, well, well, what did we accomplish? What, what good has been done in this process? How have we grown? Or, How have we changed? Let's figure out another way to get the water to the people who need it. Yeah. It didn't. Our first attempts failed. So what? Let's learn from it and get smarter and try another way. Mm. Yes. And that's where we don't have that space in hierarchy. In hierarchical organizations, we're supposed to produce on plan, in time, meet goals. 
And that's what is so oppressive for people right now. And one of the reasons people are leaving, because it's an, it's an unimaginably impossible environment. And that's why I'm again advocating. No, you've got to, in that environment, you've got to withdraw, bound yourself, work together in new committed relationships to one another, and then see what's possible. And who knows what's possible? I mean, that keeps shrinking in my own (laughs) awareness of what life is like inside large hierarchies or bureaucracies. But yeah, this, this, water that is needed, this nourishment, this sense of comforting each other, this um, saying, I know it's really hard and I'm here with you and we'll try and figure it out and we may or may not succeed. But the joy, and I introduce that word deliberately right now, the joy is in being together in doing the very best we can. Mm. And so in the end, this goes back to your theme here, your meaning. We find joy in the relationship, not in what we accomplished. Mm. That's turning Western norms on their head. It really is. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. (laughs) But, you know, if you talk to anyone at the end of their life, what was the value? Was it their success, their achievement, or their relationships? It's so true. And the, yeah. those leaders who make a difference, the iconic leaders that people remember and will follow to the ends of the earth, I'm, I'm air quoting for those people listening on audio, um, are those who build those relationships, are those who notice people, who nourish people, who uh, value People and who receive that um, human recognition in return, rather than the ones who you know sent the stock prices through the roof. Who's really remembered, and who what is, who are the types of leaders who, over history, um, I'm no history buff, but um, let's examine true change, and only those leaders who have um, touched humanity and served humanity are those ones who have created um, right. lasting positive change, which we need right. right now. We need lasting positive change. Yeah, we're not going to get lasting positive change. We're going to get, for me, oh. the expectation and, and the outcome is I want us to be the best representatives, the best embodiments of a good human being. Mm. we're not pulling out of this climate catastrophizing that's going on now. We can't stop it. It, Nature planet has its own laws. We set things in motion. Now we have to really prepare to intensify our relationships with one another. um, So that like in wartime, we can, not go down in despair or aggression or hatred, all of which is happening. We have to be the ones who embody what I'm now describing as human beings being fully human. I love it. Yeah. Human beings being. And the fully leaders, human. 
and the leaders we can be will be remembered because we were brave enough to love people and to work on their behalf. Mm. And it was never about us, our achievement goals, our wealth, our status, whatever. It's never about that. The leaders, and I know many of them who are now all retired or dead, um, who were dearly loved by their their workers. Mm. When they would walk into the room, everyone would greet them and smile and want to be with them. And these are plant work, manufacturing workers, uh, automotive workers in one case. Um, They knew that the leader was there for them. Yeah. We could call that love, commitment, dedication, warriorship. But this is where, you know, you keep in a, in a it's necessary way to refer to our egos. Yes. Can we just truly open to how we want to serve other people? Mm. That's a big stretch and it takes time and it gets easier the older you get. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but it really does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um well, it gets here, here's one thing that I've noticed from my experience. Um, it, it gets easier the older you, you get um, to. Yes, for me, it, I, it has to be that warrior spirit uh, or to defend the warrior spirit because I don't have as much at risk. Right. Um, when I was a single mom working okay. two jobs, raising kids, I couldn't take that risk. I, I couldn't be a warrior. I had to be a worker. Um, but now, you know, all I don't have any of that responsibility, yeah. and I feel this joy and this responsibility um, and a mission toward this this warriorship that you're describing, and um, and I invite people to be aware uh, of the level of risk they can absorb, um, and and those who can. Do That's go right. for it. <laughs> you, know, you can That's take right. the risk. You can mentor younger ones from this perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, and that's uh, that would be a wonderful role for you, Beth. If I can just give you more work to take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're I love doing a good it challenge. with your students anyway. But <laughs> people need to know that it's not like I go all out success orientation get as much money as I can earn, get my kids launched, all of that. It's very important, but you can lose your soul in that pursuit. Right. Absolutely. As an older, wiser, experienced person, you can also just keep track of, and I, I mean, I'm sure you're doing it when you speak about awareness and mindfulness and presence and learning. Um, they need to not get lost while they're on that, you know, on that path where they mainly have to so true. raise yeah. children, have a family, create mm-hmm. stability. But they can get lost. I mean, I was mm-hmm. thrilled when my uh, one, my youngest son is 37, and he started to notice that he's all out working. It's very successful. And he spoke to his older brothers whose families were now launched. 
And he said, I want to know how you did it, that you kept your family healthy and strong mm. in the midst of being successful in a, in, in, in work. Mm. And yeah, he's starting to make changes and he's just 39. So I have great hopes for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when it starts to get good <laughs> in the forties and fifties, in my opinion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it starts to get really good. Um, Oh, I love this. And I, I could go on for a, a very long time. Uh, my producer has uh, given Same. me the <laughs> wrap it There's up. There's more than enough here. Wrap so, it up. But um, yeah. if there was one thing you yeah. want the Love and Leadership audience to take away from this discussion, one thing that they, they can hold on to and learn from and live from and grow from, what would that be? Yes. It's how you start this to think of this, what I've described, what you described also, Beth, is this is a journey. And I'm suggesting that for me, the meaning of everything we do, the most joy, the most possibility, the most love is found when we are serving other people and not caught in our own fear. And our and the fear is overwhelming these days. It's just in the air, we're breathing. And if you watch anything on the news, it's right there. Um, so the first is to really think about what will give meaning to your life as you go along this very long, perilous journey, what will give meaning to it? That's that's the big <laughs> the big picture, the long time time scale. But in the present moment, I would so encourage you that when you notice you're anxious and you notice you're losing it, you notice you're in fear, just go someplace to settle yourself down Mm. because you do have the mental powers, the heart powers to really make good decisions. But the first task is awakening this beautiful human capacity. And then if you're really quiet, you calm yourself down you're turning your brain on, but you're also then opening to spirit. Mm-hmm. You're opening to insight, to intuition, to guidance. And don't downgrade that as a powerful source for, for you, for all of us. So immediate day by day, when you notice you're getting stressed out and can't cope, just settle for a few minutes stare at something beautiful, have a picture that's meaningful to you that takes you to a quiet place or get outside. Or, you know, sometimes I would just in meetings, I would just go sit in the toilet. <laughs> you know, like I have to get out of that energy. Quiet space, yes. <laughs> Recenter. Right. So do this because if you do this, you will have much more capacity. Mm. You'll have much more patience you won't be so afraid and you'll figure out what to do. So mm-hmm. that, that is such an important practice. And, it ha- and of course we do it needed daily. So. so before we can 
set the conditions um, for meaningful work for those around us, you're reminding us to do it for ourselves, to set Definitely. those conditions. And um, we can all do that. Um, and it's only if we really learn to trust our own inherent generosity, creativity, and kindness. It's only when we know it in ourselves that we can see it in others also. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that amazing and um, just uh, s- practical and ac- actionable, doable uh, wisdom here that will make such a difference in our lives. And I, I really have to wrap this up uh, at this point, but I'm going to turn it back to you and say, um, what what do you have going on? What 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 can we do to uh, well, learn I, more I urge to everyone you? to go to my website. Okay. Everything is there. There's enormous resources for yeah. free. But right on the homepage, it's margaretwheely.com. On the homepage. That'll be in the show it, notes, too. We'll have all that information. It's a banner that advertises, takes you to a description of this course on restoring sanity. That's teach where I'm teaching practices to awaken generosity, creativity, and kindness. And it starts October 5th. It's online. It's live with me. And it'll be every two weeks. Fantastic. Well, that yeah. sounds like a wonderful place to start. And again, we'll have all that information on the show notes. So I want to thank you so much, Dr. Meg Wheatley, for being our guest on the Love and Leadership podcast. I mean, what an honor to meet one of my uh, leadership heroes. <laughs> and I sure. just want to say, Beth, I'm, as I said before we started, you already are a warrior in knowing what was needed to happen through you, what we call a sense of call, and being brave enough to start a podcast. That's <laughs> warrior work. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for that, Dr. Meg Weekly. And thank you for tuning in to the Love and Leadership podcast. And be sure to subscribe, like, share this episode, and hit the notifications button so you won't miss out on a single thing. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it inspired you to be a warrior for the human spirit, to restore sanity in all aspects of your life and to help restore sanity in the lives of those around you. Remember that leading with love is a superpower that transforms the world around us. So let's go out there and make a difference, one love and act at a time. I'm Dr. Beth Merkel, and I can't wait to connect with you again on the next episode of Love and Leadership. Thank you for joining us on this incredible journey we call Love and Leadership. Now it's time for you to take action and unleash your true leadership potential. Here are four easy steps you can take today. Number one, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Number two, share. Share the love with your friends, colleagues, and fellow leaders. Number three, connect to our Love and Leadership community by clicking the link below. And finally, take the knowledge and wisdom that you've gained from this podcast and put it into action. The Love and Leadership podcast is more than just a podcast. It's a movement. Together, let's rewrite the leadership narrative and create a world where love, passion, and purpose thrive. 
I can't wait to see the incredible impact you'll make as a love and leader. Stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, lead on with love. A Huda Media Production.